Hello, my friends. Welcome to the latest episode of Between You and Me, the podcast where I talk to music makers about the things that hurt, heal and change us in evangelical culture. And I see if I can become a little less cynical about the church. My name is Jess Morris. I'm a music journalist and I am thrilled to be here with you today as we throw back to one of the most iconic Christian music albums of the 90s. I'm talking about Crystal Lewis's album, Beauty for Ashes. Now, Crystal has been a longtime friend of the Between You and Me podcast. We spoke to her a while back about her whole journey, um, the things that she learned from being a really young child star and what it actually means now as a woman what it means to forge your own path and create your own space and and own your own faith. And she's back with us today to sort of bring it all together. Beauty for Ashes is best known as the album that has the iconic track, People Get Ready, Jesus is Coming, which plays into the evangelical Christian obsession with the end times and the rapture and all that fun stuff. And honestly, when Crystal sings it, it's a jam. So you can't not like this song. And when I was talking to Crystal about this album... I realized that there is a whole lot more to Beauty for Ashes than just one song. This is an album, her first album that she recorded independently. She was pregnant while she was recording this. And at the time, she was actually performing at tons of evangelical crusades across the country. Things have changed dramatically in Crystal's life since then. Crystal now has adult children. She is no longer married. She is forging her own path. She's released more and more music that is jazz-based and blues-based. And her music is still inherently spiritual in the sense that she is human, but it is less quote-unquote Christian than what we had before. I mean, back then she was singing Shine Jesus Shine, um, and now she's singing songs that don't have the name Jesus in it. So it's really interesting to go on this journey with her and hear how she copes with the public backlash that comes with growing and evolving, dare I use that word, as a person. My favourite part of this interview, uh, apart from the fact that Crystal and I got to video conference each other and she's just so full of energy and she's a delight, you'll love her, but my favourite part was when she talks about how she copes with social media comments and what happens when people post nasty or snarky or judgmental comments on her Instagram feed or on Facebook. And like a lot of well-known people, people of note who have followers, she chooses not to read comments. Uh, which is fair enough. If you go through her comments, some of them are downright nasty. People are doubting faith. And people do this to a lot of people who grew up and were part of the Christian music industry and now sort of step out and make their own path. They question her faith. And, and it's nearly like people question the core of who a person is. Um, and the really cool thing about my conversation with Crystal is that she, she puts a human face to those words. It reminded me that a celebrity isn't out there. It is a person. Um, And that's something that I've had to learn as a journalist very quickly to put my judgment aside and just love people in front of me because I realised when they talk to me that they're really cool. They're on their own journey and um, Crystal is no different. So 
Today you are going to hear some of Crystal's greatest hits. I have pulled from some really fun live performances and collaborations. I have got some reimagined tracks that I think you will love and you are about to really dive into a well of wisdom as well as a bunch of like 90s nostalgia. This is a lot of fun. My friends, get ready to hear about Crystal Lewis's certified gold album beauty for ashes here we go i wanted to talk about beauty for ashes because I was, I was going through your cds and i was like which one would be best for a throwback and honestly we could go through any of them um but i was like this is like right in the middle of the 90s which i thought would be probably cringeworthy but fun um right. and um i was looking and i was at, at what lots of people in christian music currently like what they remember and get people get ready Jesus is coming is like the song that people are like oh my gosh um okay. it's on there trust me okay. YouTube told me I'm okay um yeah, so, and, yeah. And so because of that I was like let's just talk about this one even though inevitably I'm sure it sort of just goes into a whole yeah um but I just thought that it would be fun just to chat about it um as always, take it wherever you want to. I have some questions, um, but we'll just see how we go. Perfect, perfect, perfect. But I'm ready now, waiting for your triumphant return. You're coming so. This world has nothing for me. I find my peace and joy. So I say Beauty for Ashes, uh, the song, the album, what is the first thing that you think of? Well, the first thing I think of is my daughter because I was very pregnant with her throughout the entire recording of the album. And I, um, we paused uh, for me to give birth to her in March of 1996. And um, I actually finished, I remember going to Ron Canoli's house up in Northern California and I, with my daughter, it was my daughter, my then husband at the time. And I feel like one other person was with us. Um, I sat outside the door 
of the his little studio with nursing my daughter because she couldn't be in there. It was like a really small, just one room studio. And um, we would have all been in the same space and she made lots of, you know, baby noises. And um, so I just, she was such a huge part, obviously, of, I mean, as was my son who was only two at the time. So, I mean, that was, that's the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh gosh, that was a very, very stressful time in my life. <laughs> wow. I can't even uh, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. Physically and otherwise, it just was, yeah, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> when you were creating the album, aside from the fact that you were emotionally and physically preparing to become a mum again, um, <laughs> what, was, what was your vision for the album? What did you want it to be or represent in your life at that time? Well, um, it was my first project that on Mer Records. So I had come from starting out as a teenager to um, starting my own label, to figuring out what that looked like. How do we make records on our own? How do I, um, how do I make decisions musically? And, and asking myself those same, kind, those same kinds of questions that you just asked me. What do I want this to look like? Like I had, I don't know, I'd never thought in, in like a big picture sort of grand scheme kind of way. It was always just what's the next thing? Oh, this is here, let's do this, da da da. It wasn't a long term, I'm looking ahead at anything. So with this, I had the opportunity to, to make something a little bit different than what I'd made before because we had more resources. We were with the label now, they wanted it to be the best they could be. So I had the chance to work with some really phenomenal musicians. Not that I hadn't before, I totally had before as well, but um, I, I don't know, I guess, I guess my answer would be in light of all of that, there was definitely still a sense of this is how I do things, which is do the next thing as it comes up. Um, I've always been kind of a fly by the seat of my pants sort of a girl. And so while I believe wholeheartedly in dreams and goals, um, and figuring out on paper, putting on paper and figuring out how to get to those next various destinations, I'm still very much a, oh, this is the next thing and, and very flexible and allowing the path to kind of take me with it in a sense. So I don't know that I, sorry, the very long way around to say, I, I'm not sure that I, that I had a very specific um, all-encompassing, um, you know, theme that I was trying to stay within or anything like that. It was just, here are the songs that I wrote in this season. Um, I know Beauty for Ashes, um, it's been a long time, so I'm, I'm probably going to get some of these references wrong, but, uh, I have notes, we're okay. <laughs> oh, God, okay. Um, I know that like Beauty for Ashes in particular, that verse in Isaiah was really important to me at the time and really spoke to me about um, new things and um, old things not defining what would potentially be the new things. And um, I actually finished the song during my uh, break to have my daughter and then recorded it after her birth. So 
and and the majority of the record was already complete at that time so very interesting that um you know stuff just happens in weird in weird um orders i guess sometimes my jesus my savior lord looking through YouTube comments on your videos. Oh, which uh, I don't do, so. Don't, don't. I, I will, I will let me tell you, a lot of them were good ones. I'll just tell you the good ones. Lots of people being like, we love you, Crystal. We love Jesus. Like um, just what you expect. But um, I, it was just interesting for me looking through them because there is still so much love for this album mm. 25 years later. And it was beautiful. Just like there were some people, I thought, was it? I think it was. Jesus is coming. Of course, people were like, we need this in a pandemic. And I'm like, well, yeah, whatever. Um, but, <laughs> I guess. Um, but like, there was one person who said, like, I first heard this song when I was in prison for like a 25 year sentence. Right. And I was like, thank you for sharing that with the general public. And they're like, it changed my life. There was some people talking about, I don't know, like their pastors introducing it to them or like playing board games and just, this, this, right, I know, youth kids. It was just this really sense that for a lot of people, this album was like such a pivotal part of their story, um, which is cool because it was essentially you telling your story in that time of your life and it just became the soundtrack for theirs, which is the aim. Yeah. Yes, it really is the aim. Yeah. Um, so given that I'm like it's the tracks are super personal but they also sound very different to what you create today um yeah. and it, and in like in the best way both both are great for what they have um the language you use back then is so spiritual and so full of biblical terminology um which is gorgeous but also very different to how you approach your songs now not saying they're any less spiritual just how you approach it is different right um how how did that transition happen for you was it just a natural evolution of your own songwriting yes and i so deeply appreciate you acknowledging this because i um i do not read the like youtube comments at all but i do and, and i'm very neglectful of facebook because the people on facebook for some reason the comments tend to be 
they just tend to veer more in a specific direction. Instagram, I feel like is much more supportive and kind of my happy place. I don't know why, but that's kind of what's become the case. Um, I did read a, a couple of Facebook comments recently where um, one person said, um, we want the old crystal back. And then I read something, this might've actually been on Instagram. Oh, it was, I read an actual thread between people talking about me on my, they were commenting on one of my posts from several, like a couple months ago, I think. And, but they were talking about me, like, I'm like, I'm right here. Like the, I'm the only person that uses, like that posts things on this account. I, it just felt so um, violating in some ways that they weren't addressing me, not that I would have answered them, but um, they were saying, they were commenting on their assumptions about regarding my faith and where I am. And I'm not going to engage with that. Um, however, the fact that you are acknowledging Oh, your songs are still spiritual. It's very frustrating to me that, okay, two things. Number one, evolution, the person who commented on, um, we want the old crystal back. There's a reason that my music sounds one way from 1996 and sounds another way now. And it is because of personal evolution and it's imperative to growth, period. So if there's an artist that's still making the exact same sounding writing the same kind of songs and making the same sounding kind of music, I'm not going to probably be the one that's going to listen to that because to me that feels dead and um, old. And I want, I want the creative evolution and I kind of can't help it. Like I'm not necessarily, like I said, planning these massive moves way in advance. I'm just going with what life is giving me at this moment. So, um, my goodness, I grew up in the home of a pastor. Um, my dad still, of course, until he dies, will see himself as a pastor, as will most of the rest of us. And he taught me inadvertently and continues to teach me to look at the trees and to look at the building and that you know group of people. I mean, those birds, like the weirdest, most... Um, random kinds of things and and find the spirituality in them and if we are not doing that if someone is telling me that because this song says this to them it means something about me what is wrong with it? no that's not how it works <laughs> so i'm okay with that it doesn't like cut me deeply you know what i mean i'm able to see it that way and think huh, how sad that they've stayed the same um yeah so sorry again don't be sorry thank you for just, being honest you're welcome just i give very long you know um answers with all the backstory um <laughs> the best type oh i love those <laughs> keep going please can edit um so this the second part of that was um process right in the in the writing and all that um I guess the only thing that's really, there's not a lot that has changed in my, in my process because I have and continue to unlearn, unwind, deconstruct a lot of the things that I was um, taught to believe as a young person. And I was very young and I was in my twenties when I did 
beauty for ashes. So, um, early twenties. So wow. actually I was 24 when, uh, Still. 1996. And like, Oh, and a kid and one on the way. Man. Yes. And so I was a, and I got married at 19. So, and I was raised in, in an extremely, um, narrow thinking, um, denominational, uh, religious, you know, environment. So, um, I hadn't learned, there's a lot I hadn't learned yet. There's a lot I still have to learn at 50. But, um, of course that unwinding and that unlearning and that deconstruction and then the putting on the mindset of reconstruction and what do I think now? Well, I'm still not entirely sure. I'm still figuring it out. How do I take what I knew to be true or what I thought I knew to be true? How do I look at my life today through that lens, but also through this new lens of just different kinds of different ways of thinking? Um, and then what do songs look like that look like through those lenses? And that's what has transformed my um my creative process, I guess. The logistics are all still the same. Writing a song is the same, which, which is to say it is never the same because it, there's no blueprint, there's no map you follow. There's just, sometimes it sounds like this and sometimes it comes together like this. Does that answer your question? Do you feel like that's... No, that answers it great. And answers it in in great detail, uh, which I appreciate. And thank you for addressing those stupid... I mean, you don't don't have to address what other people think or say, but I I saw some of that and I was like, how does that, like, how do you even cope with that? Like, um, and I, I appreciate that over the years, you've like learned how to process but still, like, to have anyone, like, no one has the right to ask about anyone's personal faith, but then, like, to even question the validity of wherever you're at now is really, really rough. 
Oh yeah. Um, it's, and to say that when I said before, like it doesn't cut me deeply. It doesn't. Does it sting? Yeah. It totally does because I want to argue and I want to defend myself and I want to say whatever it is that I want to say. And um, it's, it varies from one end yeah. of the spectrum to the other. But um, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I, I think what's, what's heavy and hard often is um, trying to be creative, continue to make a living, um, be inspired, give of what I have while carrying the weight of everybody's expectations. And so trying to figure out how to navigate what my creative process looks like now in light of that, um, it's definitely murky. It's, it's definitely more complicated and I have to work a little bit harder at, um, at just staying true to what I feel is the best thing like there's always this balance of well why am i doing this if it's not for you to hear you know i want you to like what i do that's i mean i i want to like what i do though too and so finding that balance of it's for you wait it's for me okay it's for both of us how how does how does that work <laughs> so it, it's an ongoing uh process for sure and the hustle of it, it especially today with the music industry being it it's been shifting for the last i'd say since 2006 ish 2005 2006 i moved to montana in 2006 and the industry was beginning to shift and change then with digital the you know the arrival and of digital music and all of that stuff so uh it's continuing to make these massive like the tectonic plates of the industry are like totally having world shattering earthquake level yes. movement right now. And it's really hard to figure out as an independent artist uh, with very little help and very little resources, um, you know, trying to figure out, okay, what's the next move? How can I, how can I do this? also while navigating this other aspect which i feel like most artists don't have to do if but because i've decided to kind of switch gears a little bit uh that conserve really ultra conservative audience because they're not all that way but the ultra conservative people um have a really hard time letting somebody be something that they're not in their minds does that make sense Safe with me around. Rest is your own on your side. I won't let you hit the ground. But close as it seems, trust me. No, you can't see. You can trust me. The way may be seen, you can trust me. 
the track listing now um, oh, yeah. for this album. Go for it, please. Um, <laughs> so there's um, tracks like It's Heaven, God's Been Good to Me, which was a bop. I'm pretty sure I heard that on the radio <laughs> even as a kid. Um, Healing Oil, things like that. Are there any tracks now that you look at and you sort of go, I there's an element where I resonate with that personally? Um, or do a lot of them feel like this was it's still awesome, but this is Crystal Ben. Um, is that a heavy question? No, that's a great question. Um, and it's it's worded beautifully the flip side instead of saying, which songs do you not resonate with? Because <laughs> there's some of those. Um, but so I would say the three for me that really still um, I will put into set lists still on occasion um, are Beauty for Ashes for sure. I will um, I will sing that till I die. Um, uh, God's been good to me too. I think there's a lot in there that still resonates very deeply. Uh, and Seasons Change is the biggest one for me that I think because of the fact that I think uh, because I was so young and because I had two small children and because, you know, I owned a label and was traveling and living on the road and all that stuff, my memory of certain things is vague, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, so there's, there's actually certain, like Seasons Change specifically. I remember I was very pregnant with Isabella when I was writing it. I remember uh, we were traveling on some gig somewhere because I remember Solomon being little. And I remember the hotel room. I remember it was like early winter. I remember when I was writing it. I remember looking out the window and seeing like what looked to be dead trees. And, um, and the was so much I don't know emotionally that kind of resonated I guess in that for me based on clearly what I wrote um but I don't remember a ton of the other reasons why like why that song come about what initially inspired it I don't remember um when I hear it now oh my gosh I think yes that I know that I know what that feels like I know what that means especially having lived in Montana and experienced real life seasons as opposed to being here in Southern California. Um, and so I, I love that. I actually recently sang it. I did a Facebook Live uh, concert because my one and only gig that was booked uh, in, in, not in 2020, because I had one in January, but uh, got canceled. And so I was like, I'm doing it anyway. And so I did a Facebook live show and it was mostly my uh, current stuff that like things from Rhapsody. Um, but I added in seasons change and I, and I did a song from Roundhouse too. Uh, but awesome. I, I did seasons change because I feel like it just resonates so deeply with me in this moment, which like you said earlier, the aim is that, what we create becomes a part of, because when we're creating it, it is in fact a part of our story as the creator. The aim is that it becomes part of your story as well. And so I find it really intriguing and beautifully kind of magical that uh, this song that I wrote, that was a part of my story somehow way back then, 
has come full circle and is a part of my story again. And, and last thing on that, my very best friend in Nashville, Jeremy, who's a photographer and a video director that I've worked very closely with the last couple of years, um, he has the lyrics to the chorus um, tattooed on his arm. So, and I was with him when he got it. So like, oh. and we only have been friends for three years, I think. But he's that weird person that's like, oh no, we've been friends since birth. We just didn't know each other. Like, <laughs> very crazy. Um, but that song has been a massive part of his story all these years. And so for that to connect us, um, it's really important for me. What are you proudest of? What am I proudest of? Um, well, I'm pretty sure this was my very first photo shoot, like real photo shoot with a professional photographer. Um, and the same, actually, since I grabbed this whole stack, the same photographer did the gold shoot as well, which I mean, I got so much flack for this, by the really? way. Yeah, from the label because. I had black hair and then I had blonde hair. How and dare then, you change your hair color? I know. They were like, like nothing, nothing says I'm not a Christian anymore, like changing your hair color. Or tattoos for that matter, but that's a whole other stuff. Oh, let's not even go there, really. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of flack just from the label, like, you're going to confuse everyone. I'm like, I feel like they'll be okay. So, My name's a saint. Clearly, that has not changed, so... Um, but it, okay, proudest of, um, I guess I'm just, I'm proud that I, and I'll ha I have to give my ex-husband some credit here as well, that like we produced this together. We made this happen. We were, we started our own label in 1992 and we partnered with Murr Records in order to do this record and gold. And that was unheard of at the time. No one 
left a rec like a real record company, which I was initially with, a smaller uh, Christian label in California, to build their own thing. And then not put it on hold, but use it as leverage to do the next thing and then do something with a major label. And it was because of that partnership that this, this album went gold. And it's my only album that has, that went gold, which I don't know today. I feel like that's kind of lost on people a little bit, like 500,000 records. When you have people selling millions and that's all you ever hear about is platinum and double platinum and yada, yada. And now you have streaming and it's like, what is, what does gold even mean now? Really? Well, what it means is you, I sold 500,000 of these actual physical things. And that was a massive accomplishment. And, you know, I did, definitely didn't do it alone. That's for sure. But, um, it, you know, it is my face on the cover. And I, it is your face <laughs> and it's your voice. And it's it your story and your yes. truth in that moment. Yeah. And I did it at 24 with a wow. flipping two-year-old and pregnant with another one. So, you know, as women, I just feel like that, that's kind of like, we don't, we don't get the credit for some, like the exponential weight that that meant I had to carry. Literally, physically, I was massive. Um, <laughs> But also like trying to sing and, and be creative and do shows. I was still traveling and doing shows at the, all throughout. So yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Just that whole, the whole project bringing it to life. Yeah. 24 year old Crystal was amazing. She was a superwoman. And you know what? I didn't know that. I did not know that. It's, it's now that I'm looking back and even in this moment of seeing what I have been able to accomplish in the last four years, I guess, you know, after being divorced and feeling like I literally hit the actual bottom of something and having to now begin to rebuild. Um, and I, I do definitely recognize uh, the fact that I had, this isn't new, that getting knocked down and getting back up is not new for me, but I didn't see it like, see it as that for so many years. And so I hope, I hope somebody who's listening finds that an encouragement that like, I take the, I do this one hike at, near my house and it's, I don't do it often cause it's really hard. And um, I have to gear up for it mentally, physically, it's long, it's lots of very steep hills and I remember the very first time that I got to the top of one of the 11 hills and looked back I looked at how far I had to go and was like oh my gosh I'm so hot I'm already so tired but I turned around and looked and saw how far I'd come and it was like this again, this is totally my dad influence, my dad's influence on me to kind of go, oh my gosh, this is like the perfect life analogy of, oh yeah, yes, yeah. Look how far you've come. That needs to be your fuel for how far you still have to go, you know? So.
are you working on anything musically at the moment that you would like people to know about or uh, shall we just like keep promoing Rhapsody? What would you like people to know about your music today? I, yes. <laughs> um, I, I definitely feel like, so Rhapsody came out, uh, oh my gosh, a year ago this month. At the end of this month, I think it was, it was the 26th or 27th. I, I'll have to look it up. Um, and I spent from, you know, September through January. It's not entirely true. I spent only September, basically, basically through November. So only a few months, a couple of months, um, doing as many shows as I could with that music and trying to highlight that, trying to promote it. And, um, hadn't booked a tour. That was my goal for this year to book, uh, to try and get on somebody else's tour and do something with another jazz artist. And, and that obviously did not happen. Um, once December hit, then it was all Christmas music, you know, and I always doing a lot of Christmas stuff. So I did have one show at the beginning of January that was back to Rhapsody. And, and then everything basically was shut down after that. So I had, so what I want to do moving forward is number one, yes, I don't feel that Rhapsody got, it's got a fair shake. It hasn't had its, its moment yet at all. And so I released um, two music videos uh, for a couple of songs. I'm in Montana when I go um, and quarantine in the woods. Um, I am going to film a third by myself. So that'll be out hopefully in September. Um, I did release a song called Let the Music Play that was recorded, written and recorded during quarantine with four of the same musicians that played on uh, four of the songs on Rhapsody. So um, they're some of my favorite, most iconic, insanely incredible musicians. And I contacted each of them and said the song, the proceeds from this song, from this project, the song was a part of a project for quarantine, um, are going to be donated to uh, an organization that benefits nurses that are on the front lines in the pandemic. So they all donated their time and I ended up filming a music video by myself to that song as well. So that... I, you know, I have that, that's brand new. I released an EP of rockabilly songs with my old friends from when I was a teenager. It's called Just Because. Um, those things have, they're still new. Like they just came out, you know, a couple of months ago. Um, and then moving, oh, I have another video and song that I won't tell you what it is yet, but filmed um, and recorded um, virtually, you know, all the musicians from home and everything that hasn't been released yet. Um, so I've been working, like I've been doing stuff, you know, and what's hard is that, uh, just putting new music out, number one, it costs money. I mean, I figured out a way to do it kind of, sort of with little resources. And that's been really fun. I feel like, you know, when you have less to work with, sometimes you're more creative. Um, but it doesn't, they're not, this isn't a big moneymaker. It's not like, oh yes, I'll just put a new song out and that'll pay my rent. Like, that's not how it works anymore. 
So it's thus difficult to navigate. Um, the last thing is moving forward down the road. I, I do have several songs in the works. I do want to record another, probably just an EP with some of these newer songs with those same four musicians. I'm very addicted to them. Um, <laughs> and just the way that they interpret my songs is, it's like they, they read my mind. It's really incredible. And so that's why I love working with them, not just because they're insanely great, but because I feel like we're on the same, we're vibrating on the same frequency. You know what I'm saying? And I'm yes. literally musically, like we were talking sound waves and frequency and vibration and like, we're there. Yeah, so, that's um, so good. Yeah, so Rhapsody, yes. Number one, first and foremost, Rhapsody. But second, you know, just, just like, it's very helpful when people just put a Crystal Lewis Spotify playlist on and let it run <laughs> because I do make some dollars off of that. It's, you know, it's very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. On it. On it. <laughs> and of course I, I hope, I'm so sorry. I hope to revive my find your voice um, workshop. And I'm looking at doing like a video series, uh, like a masterclass type video series of find your voice. And um, I've actually written a children's book. Um, oh, how exciting! It's called Find Your Voice. It's based on that, and I'm I really hit some some walls with that, and trying to figure out how to get that up and running, and illustrations and all of that stuff. So it's it's another project that's just it's just it's uphill. <laughs> so, but I'm working on it. So yeah, yeah, I'm so excited for when it pans out. I'm so sorry it's so hard. It's I'm so excited I know. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for today. It oh, was you're such a pleasure. so welcome. You're so, so welcome. before but crystal has just forged her path she has you can tell when you speak to her that she has 
dug so deep to find who she is and to refine herself. She has put in so much work um, and because of that, she has so much joy to offer the world and she speaks like she speaks to me like a peer. Um, and Crystal has, has been in this industry far longer than I have. She has achieved things that, that I never will. Like she's performed at the Grammys. But she speaks to you like you're on equal footing. Um, and it's a real privilege to share her story. And um, I'm really grateful that she trusted me and the Between You and Me platform with that. It's just, it's just a lot of fun. And um, just something that like makes my heart feel really happy. Like this is what my vision was when I started this podcast. Let's find healing and reconciliation even when we change, even when we grow, even when we disagree. Um, and Crystal, just like she embodies so much of that. And I just love that. So thank you, Crystal. As always, we love you. Guys, Crystal has just released new music. Her single, her new single, Let Me Love You, is out now. Go stream it, go buy it, go enjoy it. And while you are doing it, you can hear her latest music on her album Rhapsody. But go and throw it back and listen to Beautiful Ashes. Get that 90s nostalgia evangelical jump on and just go and just go and enjoy it you can listen to all of crystal's music now on any good music platform including deezer spotify apple you name it it is there i would also highly recommend youtubing crystal lewis live performances because there are decades of gems there that that are just brilliant you heard some of the audio for them today and the links to those are actually in the show notes if you want to see those direct videos. But honestly, guys, do yourself a favor. Go and go and YouTube Crystal Lewis Live. It's just a ton of fun. You can connect with Crystal on social media at the Crystal Lewis. You'll also find her on crystallewis.com. So definitely go and connect with her. Tell her how much you loved hearing her story. And while you're at it, why don't you tell her like what your favorite crystal lewis song is whether it was whether it was people get ready jesus is coming or something more current just let her know that you appreciate her work independent artists have to work really hard to forge their careers even when they've had lots of success and acclaim like crystal so it's always good to give them a bit of a nod and let them know when you're appreciating their stuff because they work really hard so that we have a soundtrack to our lives that is all for this wonderfully nostalgic episode of Between You and Me. Um, but I would love you to connect with me personally. I'm on Instagram at Jessica K. Morris. Let me know what you thought of this week's episode or send me any ideas for artists that you would like featured or topics you would like to talk about. That would be really, really cool. You can also connect with the podcast online at betweenyouandmepod.com. Find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at betweenyoumepod. You'll find links to our merch there as well as our latest Hope Lives playlist. I highly recommend it. It's helping me get through 2020. And if you loved what you heard today, can you please do me a really quick favor? I always ask, can you go to iTunes and actually give us a star rating? We would love five stars and just put in a few words about why you enjoy this podcast. It means that it increases our visibility and more people hear this content. I will be back with you next Friday with my friends, Aaron and Tamar Chip which are modern day cure. We talk all about what it means to live with relentless faith, even in 2020, how worship is actually changing hearts and cultures and lives. They are a pretty incredible couple and I can't wait for you to meet them. My name is Jessica Morris. Thank you for being part of the family. Here's to hope. 
it's gonna turn to cold, then I'm burning. 